This is a Suno India production and you're listening to Science and Us. There have been almost 12,000 cases of mucormycosis, commonly known as black fungus in India so far. Mucormycosis has a death rate of about 54% according to the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Usually considered a rare disease, it is infecting those recovering from coronavirus at an unprecedented number, especially those who are diabetic. According to the National Diabetes and Diabetic Retinopathy Survey report, India has a diabetes rate of 11.8%. Gujarat and Maharashtra are the worst affected with almost 3000 cases each of mucormycosis so far. This unprecedented scale of the infection has taken its toll on the supply of medication. The Delhi High Court has ordered duty-free import of mucormycosis medication amphotericin B while US-based Gilead Sciences is preparing to supply 1 million doses to India. But availability is not the only issue. The steep price of mucormycosis treatment is costing between 5 to 15 lakhs per patient. This is a huge blow especially for poor families who have already had to deal with coronavirus. So let's understand this not so rare disease a little better. Hi. This is Surya Tapa Mukherjee. I spoke to Dr. Akshay Nayak, an oculoplastic surgeon or an eye surgeon based in the Maharashtra capital Mumbai, who has been treating several cases of mucormycosis in this pandemic. We explore causes, symptoms, preventive measures and treatment. so that if you encounter a mucormycosis infection you'll know exactly what to do could you first explain what is mucormycosis or black fungus as it is called what are the factors causing it and why are covid-19 patients susceptible to it mucormycosis is uh, what used to be a very rare fungal infection uh, that used to affect typically patients who had a very weak immune system this would mean patients who have had diabetes for a long time patients who have had other multiple infections and are receiving medications for a long time uh, patients with hiv aids or patients who have undergone say an organ transplant like a kidney transplant and now they need uh, medicines to suppress their immune system such that the body does not reject that organ in all these patients because the immune system was weakened uh, infections like mucormycosis could get advantage of a weakened system and infect these people so these infections are typically called new, uh, opportunistic infections and the main reason that we are seeing it now is because of a weakened immune system following covid-19 now why only particularly covid-19 is because uh, they also receive a lot of patients with covid-19 are receiving a group of drugs called steroids now steroids are life saving during the course of covid but they can also weaken your immune system steroids can also lead to a increase in your blood sugar level and make you diabetic and therefore 
these patients who have received steroid during their COVID-19 treatment are susceptible. But now we are also seeing cases where patients who are not diabetic before COVID infection are now having a high blood sugar level after COVID-19 infection. So that also makes them vulnerable to infections like mucormycosis. So could you tell us what is the rate of infection that you're seeing? And is there any difference between non-COVID-related mucormycosis and COVID-related cases? To give you an exact rate of infection or the proportion of COVID patients that end up having mucormycosis would be a little difficult because we don't have access to a centralized database. But to give you a rough estimate, uh, when we would see about close to 7 to 10 cases in a single year of mucormycosis, we are now seeing close to 30-40 patients every month since the month of uh, March of mucormycosis that is happening after COVID. So there is definitely a clear increase in the number of cases that we are seeing. Also, post-COVID mucormycosis seems to be a little more aggressive and uh, very fast-moving, fast-evolving compared to patients whom we've seen earlier without COVID-19. Right. Okay. So there is a difference. And can you tell us why we are seeing such a high rate of this infection in India? There is some speculation that it's because of a high rate of diabetes in this country that people here are more vulnerable. Would you agree with that? I would actually tend to agree. Uh, One of the reasons is that what we are seeing now from what I mentioned earlier, there is some data to suggest that the COVID virus itself is diabetogenic. To explain that in simple words, it would mean that it has the potential to uh, make a, 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 you know, someone who's having mild form of diabetes into having severe diabetes, someone who is what is called pre-diabetic, it can cause them to become diabetic because it is, there, is, there, is, there are some reports that show that it can affect the pancreas, which is uh, what produces insulin in the body. And insulin is the hormone that essentially is responsible for uh, preventing diabetes. So lack of insulin would mean that you become diabetic. So because the pancreas seems to be get, getting affected in COVID, COVID itself can cause patients to have diabetes. But at the same time, even uh, if it is not the case, administering steroids to patients who are having COVID-19 itself increases your blood sugar. And many patients who come in don't know that they are diabetic because India is the diabetic capital of the world. India has the highest number of undiagnosed diabetic patients. India has the highest number of undertreated diabetic patients. And of course, India has the highest number of diabetic patients as well. So overall, uh, it's unfortunate that it took an infection like COVID to unmask the true number of diabetics that we have in our country. So given that we have such a high rate of diabetes in India, there is that some role that this also plays in the uh, incidence of mucormycosis that we are seeing. But at the end of the day, there are so many factors involved that we are still trying to put the pieces of this jigsaw together to get a clear answer. What are some of the misconceptions about this infection you're coming across that you would like to address for our listeners here? One of the most uh, important questions and misconceptions that I'd like to clarify using this platform is that mucormycosis is not contagious. 
which means that if you have a patient of mucormycosis in your household, in your family, amongst your circle, if they are being treated in hospital and there's someone next to them, that person cannot get this infection from the patient. Uh, and this is usually the case with all other invasive fungal infections that are that we see. And this is important because, you know, at a time when a patient is suffering from mucormycosis, they need someone to be in contact with, they need to be, in, you know, close to their loved ones. Because remember, a lot of these patients are patients who've already recovered from COVID and that typically is in isolation. So they've probably spent 10 to 15 of the worst days of their life recovering from an illness. And once they've come out of that, now they're, uh, you know, they've been diagnosed with mucormycosis. It's important that their loved ones can be with them. So this is one major misconception that I need to treat, uh, that I need to address. The other thing is that a sim you know, patients feel that a simple surgery or any surgery done in the initial stages of mucormycosis can be curative. While yes, surgery is an important part of the treatment, controlling the underlying blood sugar levels and making sure that the patient receives adequate medicines, which is the antifungal medicine, amphotericin B, is equally important. So surgery, control of diabetes and the medicines, all three of them need to be given, need to be done in, in, in the right amount for complete treatment. As this infection has a very high mortality rate of around 50%, which is way higher than the mortality rate for COVID, seeking help at the right time is key, I suppose. So how can people be cautious of its symptoms as it spreads to different areas of the body? So uh, as you rightly mentioned that this disease has a significantly higher mortality rate compared to COVID-19 itself, but that's only in the small subset of people in whom the disease has actually reached the brain. This fungal infection typically starts around the nose and then enters the paranasal sinuses. The sinuses are these empty spaces in the bones around the cheek and the nose. And from there, this enters into the orbit. The orbit is the space around the eyeball. And from there, it enters the brain. If we are able to diagnose and treat this condition, when it is still in the nose or the sinuses, then you have a good chance of survival. Or even if it has reached the eye with adequate medicines and surgery, we can save the life. It's only in the subset of patients where the infection has gone beyond the eye and reached the brain do we see a high mortality rate upwards of 60-70%. So like you've said, treating it early is key and therefore people should be aware of what the symptoms can present as. Typically, it starts with patients having stuffy nose, blocked nose for a long time. Uh, then they may have some nasal discharge uh, or nasal bleeding. Then they, as it spreads into the sinuses, you have pain around the sinuses, which is pain on your cheeks, under the eye, in the space between the eye or even the forehead. After that, it enters the eye and there you may have complaints of double vision or inability to see clearly and eventually it can even present as loss of vision by when it probably has involved the eye. So earlier symptoms are, are, are the key. Also, it's a good idea, especially if you know someone or if you yourself have some recovered from COVID to get a periodic blood sugar test done just to make sure that you're not diabetic. Because at the end of the day, one common thread across all our patients is that they have a higher blood sugar level at the time of uh, coming to the hospital. 
in terms of prevention is there anything that covid patients can do to reduce the chances of this infection yes i think patients should definitely uh, be aware of these early symptoms that i mentioned and also get a periodic blood sugar check done this is your standard blood sugar test which is done fasting and then after 2 hours after a meal it's repeated again which is called the post lunch or post prandial blood sugar level also there's a, another blood test known as hba1c which basically gives you an idea of how your blood sugar control has been for the past 3 months patients who are known diabetics should definitely get that test done and if you suspect anything any of these symptoms that we mentioned including pain on the teeth facial swelling or facial numbness along with a blocked nose or stuff nasal stuffiness you should consult your doctor at the earliest so you have mentioned some of the treatment options already could you elaborate a little more on the options available and as you said there is a shortage of amphotericin b the medication for this due to an unprecedented demand so is this something you've had to deal with in your work so the treatment involves sinus surgery which is functional endoscopic sinus surgery or debridement surgery where all the infected material from the sinuses and the nose is cleared out this is typically done by an ENT surgeon a surgeon who specializes in the ear nose and throat following that if the eye is also involved it involves removal of the eye and the tissues around it along with all of the surgery the medicine which is most effective in the treatment of uh, mucormycosis is amphotericin b this has to be given for a period of 4 to 6 weeks after surgery and after that uh, there is another medicine which is given which is called posaconazole now the second line drugs posaconazole and isoconazole are not given as a first line drug which means they given only in the absence of amphotericin b and that is something that we've had to do recently because of the unprecedented demand and limited availability of amphotericin b so we are using drugs that are are, are what we call second line drugs that are typically not used unless the patient is intolerant or unable to use amphotericin b uh, it remains to be seen how effective they are but uh, i think this is something that every doctor who's treating mucormycosis in india is having to deal with uh, with the limited supply and availability of uh, mucormycosis of amphotericin b also right now we are hearing about yellow fungus and white fungus can you tell us a bit about how these are different from black fungus infections we are hearing a lot of news reports about yellow fungus white fungus in in addition to this black fungus at the outset black fungus is actually a misnomer it it isn't a right name because uh, the fungus itself when we see it inside the eye or the nose is off white in color but what happens is when it comes onto the skin or the surfaces of the nose it causes uh, what is called necrosis which basically means death of the skin or the surfaces and that is what is seen as black and hence this name has been given called black fungus but now we are hearing reports of yellow fungus and white fungus these are basically different fungal infections which are seen in when whenever the immune system of the body is weakened so these are typically opportunistic infections which have been there since even before covid and they will continue to be there even long after covid uh, you know subsides so yellow fungus is what typically is being called 
uh, aspergillosis, which is the scientific name. And white fungus is what is candidal infections or infections caused by candida. Now, both these organisms are treatable and it's just a few sporadic cases that we are being seen here and there. They are not in the numbers that we should be worried about. And the primary focus for the healthcare workers as of now remains mucormycosis. And uh, these affect different parts of the body and different systems of the body. Black fungus typically, or what is mucormycosis, typically affects the nose, the sinuses, and the eyes. White fungus is not as invasive, uh, that is candidiasis. And I must say that all of us, uh, you know, in the medical profession, in the press, and even patients should try to stick to the scientific names of these uh, different organisms and infections rather than call them yellow, white, and black, uh, which can only add to the confusion. At, at this time, there is really nothing that all of us need to be panicking about when we hear these different colors and fungus infections. Uh, as long as we are able to stay safe, monitor our health and take care of our loved ones, get vaccinated and report to the doctor at the sign of the earliest discomfort, we and our families should be safe. Please rate our podcast and leave a comment if you like it. Underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people. So please support us by visiting our contributing page on our website, sunoindia.in or follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram.